Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope Podcast and your host, Shane. Today, our guest is Stephen Crane, and he really gives some awesome insight into some things that he's learned specifically from his two kids. Uh, I thought it was a great discussion, uh, really good information that I think we can all take to changing the way that we see things and uh, moving on with life. Yeah, he gave some really cool uh, examples and, and, and things of just, you know, we talked a little bit about gratitude and, and you know, as I'm kind of looking at my background and being on the beach and whatnot, because that's what it's showing in my background. Um, but I think there's a lot of things we can be grateful for. And that's one of the things I'm grateful for is the ocean and, and wind and the beautiful weather and things like that. But he, he really talked about that. And I think he gave some really key points that I think we can get from this. We really do want to thank each one of you for listening to our podcast. It really means a lot to Shane and I when you listen to our podcast and help grow our community and spread hope throughout the world. So if this is an episode that rings with you, please share it. Um, If there's another episode that you enjoy, share that one with somebody who you feel could use it. We've, We've got a lot of episodes out there now, and so we would help the uh the word to get spread out um as we sprinkle hope all over the world so here we go with Stephen crane welcome to the sprinkled with hope podcast Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Shane. Today, our guest is Stephen Crane. He is the author of the memoir, I Can Appreciate That, the novel Staring at the Ceiling, and more than a million words of advertising copy. His other full-time jobs are husband and father, with additional titles situationally included coach, volunteer, foster parent, mentor, and amateur pancake chef. (laughs) I want to hear about that. <laughs> uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. We're really looking forward to this conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Gave our listeners a very high level of what, what you've done. Um, but let's just dive into, you know, you've written some books and things. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, so the, uh, the intro covers a lot of that. Um, I, um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where I am an advertising copywriter. I've lived here since I'm seven, since I was seven, and I'm almost fifty now. I'm actually one of the weird people who actually is from Atlanta. Most of the people who live here aren't really. It's a, yeah. it's a transplant city, so uh, there's a lot of people who live here who aren't from here. Um, lived here uh, most of my life. Went to school in Columbia, South Carolina, the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks! And uh, would still live there if there were any jobs uh, in that lovely <laughs> <Yeah>. city. <laughs> yeah. But uh, advertising brought me back here, and uh, I've lived here ever since, um, working as, as a writer in advertising and now as a freelance writer. And uh, in some of my spare time, when uh, freelance goes from feast to famine, uh, I've dabbled in writing a couple of books, uh, one of which is a novel, and the other, which you mentioned, is a memoir. Okay. Nice. I want to hear about this amateur pancake maker. 
Uh, everybody has to have a hobby, right? Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And apparently, you know, if you look on uh, social media, there's all kinds of people who do crazy pancake art, which is very ambitious and uh, impressive. And that is, that's not me. Uh, I guess <laughs> somebody's making money doing that, but clearly it's not me. Um, I, uh, there's not a whole lot to say about that other than that uh, I, I love uh, cooking and experimenting and pancakes are like a perfect blank slate, right? They're only as good as what you add to them, right? So it. they can be everything from bacon to fruit to chocolate to whatever. So you know, I get the kids in the kitchen with me and uh, it, it turns into like uh, mad chemistry. That's awesome. So no uh, plans for a restaurant <laughs> in my younger days i actually had visions of that and then uh we, we thought about maybe doing like a food truck or something oh uh, yeah and, uh, yeah that, i think that's a young person's game too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's good to have a dream so tell us a little bit about the books that you've written what what were they about and uh how can people find them and so forth yeah sure so um like I said, the first one that I wrote uh, is called Staring at Ceiling. That's actually a novel. And that was uh, that that's like every writer's young dream. We're like, oh, yeah, I can write the great American novel. And it ends up being like this uh, self-absorbed sort of experience. That um, It's a good learning experience. Um, yeah. I wouldn't I, you know, that was a fun book to write, but that was not a book I needed to write. That was a book I wanted to write. And it was you know, gotcha. just sort of, a, you know, a fun sort of. Uh, fictionalization of some of the wild times I had with some very awesome and interesting people in my younger years. Um, the second book I like to say very differently is a book that I didn't even want to write. It's a book that I had to write, mm. which is, um, so again, I'm 50 years old and it turns out to be a memoir, which is sort of, um, well, that the whole thing starts with my now 16 year old son my oldest son he and I are having a conversation and um I don't even remember what we were talking about but he said something to me I sort of said something back to him and his response to me was dang why do you always have to be so negative about everything and a lot of times you know when you're your kids especially I don't know if you guys have kids or not but especially with teenagers you can sort of go well, because, you know, I'm a dad or because I said so or whatever, and you can sort of disregard them. But when he said that to me, it, man, it, it hit me right in my heart and it stopped me. And honestly, I didn't have an answer for him. I didn't know what to say to yeah. why do you always have to be so negative? Turns out that that happened to be that conversation happened in the end of 2019, just months before the whole world's getting ready to go on shutdown. Yeah. You know, we didn't even know what was coming, you know, in early 2020. And uh, so as a freelance writer, you know, when pandemic hit my um, a lot of my work sort of went away for a little while. And so the universe was basically saying, well, here's some space and time. Why don't you answer that question? And so mm -hmm. I sat down and I basically spent all of 2020 thinking about researching, writing, and, and sort of marinating my brain in that question of why do you always have to be so negative? And what that turns out to be is me revisiting a whole bunch of episodes from my life that whether it's um, medical complications as a child or losing loved ones to cancer or losing jobs or failed relationships or, you know, whatever it is, things that I would look at and my default would be, dang, I really don't appreciate that. 
figuring out why I didn't appreciate that and looking at that with hindsight and realizing that there were these awesome, gigantic hidden blessings in all of those things that I originally thought were these negative, terrible things that with some hindsight, you can actually look back and go, wow, I can appreciate that. Here's what I gained from that. Here's what I've learned from that. Here's what I can use moving forward from that. So that becomes yeah. the book. I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I agree with you. I think oftentimes we, you know, we can kind of look at things maybe a little bit negatively, but if we, if we really try to find the positive in it, it's there. We just have to look, you know, look a, a little bit beyond the surface. Right. And that's kind of what it sounds like you were saying is, um, you know, there was some negative things that you could have thought were bad situations, but really there was blessings from it. hundred percent. Awesome. So what, uh, what kind of are you working on now? Like, what do you do in your free time? What, what are your hobbies? What are some of the things that you like to do? Uh, well, so I, I referenced earlier that freelance is sort of a feast or famine game. And, uh, luckily I'm sort of back in the feast section there. So, uh, I'm busy uh, doing a whole lot of writing and uh, uh, writing that actually pays since uh, writing books is writing books is a fun thing. But unless you're uh, uh, one of the lucky few who have a representation in a giant audience, um, I, I wouldn't suggest that anyone who's looking to get rich <laughs> jump yeah, into right. that yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, um, a lot of uh, a lot of work, and a lot of family stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we're we're raising two teenage boys, and that that's an interesting transition. You know, going from being super actively involved in being like the coaches of their sports teams and stuff like that, or you know, being really involved with their school, to sort of taking a step back and letting them figure out, well, all right, well, what are you actually interested in? What do you want to pursue? And sort of letting them find their own path, still sort of being there, but taking a step back and saying, you know, go for it. I'll be here on the sideline rooting you on and, you know, I'll be here, here for whatever you need, but not driving that train as hard as you used to. Yeah, I always like to find out why, why people do certain things. So, Stephen, why did you what interested you in writing and how did you get into that field? Uh, so that's another uh, that's, that's a good question. and Another interesting one. Um, I'm one of those weird people who knew what I wanted to do, what I, what I wanted to be when I was like nine or 10 years old, which is super weird. It was like specific to advertising. And at that time, I didn't, I don't think I even knew what, I didn't, I don't think I knew anybody who worked in that job. I don't think I, aside from like the, the husband on Bewitched, who I think worked in advertising, I don't think I even knew of anybody who worked in advertising, but I yeah. was oddly fascinated by, uh, by writing and psychology and, and whatnot. And uh, one of the greatest gifts that my parents ever gave me and my sister um, was they had us aptitude tested, which is this, if you're not familiar, it's this cool sort of, it's not like the SAT or the ACT that tests you on like specific knowledge. It's a test of your natural skills, right? So they give you like this battery of tests that uh, sort of, measures you on everything from like musical ability to critical thinking to spatial relations to vocabulary to you know whatever it's like 30 different tests and Mm -hmm. at the end of that they give you like this score sheet of here's what your brain does well 
and here's where you you're not as as naturally talented and then they match that with like a list of jobs that basically says based on how you think and what your natural talents are you'd be really good at these jobs conversely here's some stuff you should never try to do because you're <laughs> terrible at that don't be a brain surgeon don't yeah. be an airline pilot don't be, you know whatever but like on the list of the things that that said that I should do that, you know, like this giant scientific exercise comes back with this thing that says, I need something that is deadline oriented, highly creative, changes all the time, and allows me to use my vocabulary skills. Guess what? That's basically a description of advertising writing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was already interested in it. And this scientific test said, yeah, you'd actually be pretty good at that, which is like this amazing gift when you're we had that test done when we were juniors in high school, right? Right as you're getting ready to go into college and pursue, you know, spend a whole bunch of money to pursue a particular job field, which was like this giant gift of confidence going into college to actually pursue something instead of, you know, no knock on anybody who goes to college and doesn't have it figured out yet. I think that's probably most people, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it really felt like a leg up to sort of know what I, that I, what I wanted to do and that I had a pretty good job, a pretty good chance of being successful at that based on how my brain works. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, it's all I've ever done. So, you know, fast forward yeah. <laughs> 25, 30 years later, all I've ever done is work as a writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I wished it would have been that way for me, honestly, <laughs> would have made things a lot easier, but it's not too late. So in the spirit of appreciation and paying that forward, like I said, we have two teenage sons and my oldest is now a junior in high school. We just had him uh, take that same battery of tests, uh, which was, you know, a cool experience for him, but also for me having done it in the past to sort of see him go through it and, yeah. and know where that can help him as he moves forward. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, so Shane and I, we love laughter and I haven't asked this question in, in a long time, but what is maybe an embarrassing moment or something that you can <laughs> laugh at yourself about right now that you think, Oh man, at the time, <laughs> maybe not have been so funny or. <laughs> oh man, that that's actually a tough one. Um, I think some people are really good at being, um, what is it self-effacing or uh you know, I'm, not, I'm forgetting the word that, that that actually is but um i uh i tend to be super critical of myself and so i have the hardest time laughing at myself i i am uh i'm hot tempered and uh i you know i've never been um I've never actually been ejected uh, from a little league sports uh, event <laughs> as a coach, but um, I've probably walked right up to that line. I've probably gotten <laughs> as close as you can get, and probably gotten like the stank eye from the from the umpire, and uh, you know might have been one more word away from it. And uh, those are those are things in hindsight that you sort of regret. You know, you, when you're supposed to be out there as the adult in a situation leading, you know, a group of ten year olds, and uh, you lose your mind a little bit. And, you know, eight hours later, you're like, that was stupid. And then a week later, you're like, what, <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's this, what I was thinking when you were sharing that and um, some other things earlier 
that perspective is really an interesting thing that it's sort of how we look at things. You know, you might've had some stuff that happened earlier in your life that you now can look at and see the, the lesson. Um, but that I think is a change in perspective from your earlier years to now. And I think this, that's the same thing. We're at a little league game. We get frustrated as a parent, but it re- the kids don't really care. They're just having fun. And <laughs> so I think. Absolutely. So uh, I, my, my youngest son, who's two years younger than my oldest, um, he, uh, so I used to coach both of them and uh, in baseball primarily uh, well, me coaching them exclusively in baseball. And uh, I went all the way through from like five years old to 15 with my youngest son. And awesome. we went to Cooperstown together. Right. And oh. I don't know if you guys know yeah. what, yeah, if you're familiar, if you're not familiar for any of your audience, who's not familiar, it's like this Mecca of little oh, league yeah. baseball, probably only secondary to like the little league world series. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's basically like a week long summer camp for kids where they get to go and live in dorms with their team with, you know, whatever. And you play, um, seven or eight games um and then there's a a single elimination tournament whatever there's like a hundred teams each week that come and like a third of those teams are like legitimately have a shot at winning the whole thing and like a third of them are somewhere in the middle and a third of them are just happy to be there right yeah (laughs) in hindsight we were we were in that bottom third we were just happy to be there but we thought we were in that middle third right so we go and you know we're like you know our goal is to win several games or have a winning record whatever Really, our goal was to win a game, right? We went and we played seven games and we didn't win a single one. We went, <laughs> uh, we went winless in our week in Cooperstown, right? Which for the adults, that gets frustrating. You know, the further along yeah, you go, that gets sure. frustrating, right? Yeah. And so at the end of that, at, at the very end of our experience, we had just finished losing our last game. We were out of the tournament. Our week was over. We were getting ready to, to sort of pack it up and go home. I had I had been with my son and his whole team as one of the coaches the whole week and not a whole lot of quiet time between the two of us, right? And so we uh, we were just sort of walking through the park and uh, it was just the two of us and kind of having this quiet moment that we hadn't had all week. And I was still sort of stewing a little bit about, you know, the little things that we could have done better. If we had just gone one way this game or one pitch different or one play different, we would have won a game. I would feel completely different about this whole experience. My 14 year old son grabs my hand and he says, that was fun. I love you. <laughs> you talk about a change in perspective and like yeah. an instantaneous, it's the same thing as my old son saying, why do you have to be so negative? Right. Yeah, right. So like in that situation, I'm supposed to be the adult. I'm supposed to be the one teaching him. Right. And that child just, out of like his the pureness of his heart he gives me the answer right it's you know that that is the experience that was fun i love you that was great you know i'll never forget this this was fantastic it doesn't even matter what the scoreboard said in any of those moments so yeah yeah i what a great lesson that kids can teach us often if we if we listen to them sometimes i think we just ignore what they're saying but that what a great lesson in life i think is that yeah have fun it doesn't really matter in certain cases so that's awesome so near the end of our podcast jason and i have what we call the double down dose are you ready for this i'm i'm scared but ready (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we love, we'll love that. So I'll have, I have a question for you and then Jason will ask a question. So not very scary, but we love to talk about hope. Our podcast is called sprinkle with hope. Uh, we really focus on that. Um, and so the first question of the double down dose is how would you define hope? Mm. So, uh, so here's the word guy failing for words, right? So it's, uh, I, I think I, I think I would think of it similarly to faith, right? Which is sort of like um, confidence in something that you can't see, right? Knowing mm-hmm. that even if in this particular moment you're struggling, or for the longest time you've been struggling, that there's something better up ahead. That whether whether you have a reason to believe that or not that something better is on the way that there's always, you know, there's always going to be valleys, but there's always going to be peaks. And to have hope is to always know that no matter how dark it is or how deep it is, that, that light is up ahead. Love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and so I'm going to go with, with our, the second question. Sometimes we vary a little bit, um, but uh, the second question I'd like to ask is, uh, and you kind of touched on it just a little bit, but what is your definition of love? Uh, so I actually I actually write about this at, at significant length in the book. It's interesting, and, and I'll get a little heavy with you for a second, but um, one of one of the things I mentioned, you know, in the challenges that I'd faced uh, that I didn't appreciate was losing people to cancer. Right. Mm, uh, I yeah. unfortunately lost my sister to cancer uh, when she was 23 and I was 20, mm. uh, which pretty formative, you know, experience, you know, in terms of my cynicism and frustration and all that. Um, in that situation, though, what I what I gained from from her specifically and from the other people around her in that situation um, is an understanding of, of love in a way that I, I had not seen before and didn't even recognize until years later, right? So um, within, a, <clears throat> within a short span of time, um, my sister was graduating college, um, became engaged, found out she had cancer, got married and quickly passed away all in the span of, you know, less than two years. Right. So all that happens all at one time. Um, And so in that span of time, um, her boyfriend, then fiance, then husband, then widow um, really sort of ended up teaching me a lot about what love looks like. Right. So um, I, I also am uh, the fortunate product of uh, two awesome parents who just recently celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Wow. Um, and so um, in all of those instances, what people have shown me about what love is, 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 is not giving up right on somebody else, but also um, the understanding that somebody else's happiness somebody else's joy, somebody else's needs, somebody else's, you know, somebody else's needs essentially are more important than your own. And when you get to that point um, and you don't have, so there's lots of different definitions of love, just like there's lots of definitions of appreciate. Um, You know, there's, 
familial love, there's brotherly love, there's romantic love, you know, whatever. You don't have to be like in romantic or physical love to love somebody and recognize that they are more important than you are. Yeah, that, that's we we really do like asking those questions. I think often we don't think on a deeper level about those things. We we always hear about love and hope, but we don't actually take the chance to really think about what it means to us. And so we love asking those questions, love getting all of the answers that we get. Um, it's so interesting to see every every person we ask pauses for a second and really just thinks about it. Um, so you were no different. You did exactly the same as everyone. Um, we, we really do love the, 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 or the answers that we get from that. It's, it's very interesting to, to see. So Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. Really have enjoyed this discussion and your insight into some things. I think, um, yeah, just really enjoyed this discussion with you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I, uh, I totally appreciate it. If anybody is interested in learning more um, about, I can appreciate that. It's easily findable on Amazon.com and everywhere people get their eBooks. Awesome. Yeah, I was just going to ask how they could get get a hold of you or get a copy of your book and things yeah. like that if they have questions. But that's that's great. It's uh, it's also got its own Instagram account at I can appreciate that uh, where we're in Facebook. Uh, if people want to uh, join what we're calling our community of gratitude. You know, people can check in and tell share their own stories of gratitude and uh, appreciation. That that's actually the greatest gift I've gotten out of the whole experience is the uh, the community that comes out of that. When when you share your own stories and people read or hear what you've gone through when you, when you're sharing that you think that you're the only person that's ever experienced those things. And when you share them, you realize that even though somebody didn't have the exact same experience that you did, something similar or something, you know, relatable happened to them and they go, Oh, wow, me too. Or let me tell you what happened to me. And then you end up learning about each other and growing, you know, in community and in a way that never would have happened if you hadn't taken the time to, to answer your 16 year old son's question. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And I, I'm glad you brought up, you know, just thinking about gratitude and I, you know, I, I know we just had Thanksgiving and um, you know, so I think most everybody was reflecting recently on what they are grateful for, but I, I don't think it should stop there either. Right. Like this gratitude should be something we think about often on a regular basis even a daily basis, you know, the things that we have in our life that oftentimes we take for granted. And maybe that is our kids or spouse or, you know, siblings or other things. Right. So I appreciate that message. Yeah. hundred percent. It actually uh, changed my, my whole outlook, you know, spending hours a day thinking about that and in the spirit of appreciation and gratitude, like I said, it sort of marinates your brain in that whatever, whatever you spend your time thinking about, that becomes how you think and how you act and how you speak and how you treat people. And it becomes who you are. Right. So if you spend a year marinating in that spirit, it kind of changes your brain a little bit and rewires you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a lasting gift. So yeah, you want to spend five minutes a day being grateful and, uh, appreciating stuff and, and, and paying it forward. It'll change your life. I love it. Thanks so much, Steven. I, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Thanks.